This is The Think Tank with Dr. Michael Neal, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Our guest this week, I've wanted to have him on for months. Barry Markson, in his real life, is an attorney. That's true. Uh, in his make-believe life, like me, he comes in here occasionally and fills the airwaves. And uh, an interesting fellow, and we've engaged in election nights mostly and a few snippets here and there. But I've I've wanted to have a—I think you're an interesting guy, and I've wanted to have a long, long conversation with you, which is what I envision for this show. And— uh, I couldn't think of anything more important to start out with that at a global level, we're not going to delve into the budget here in micro fashion or whatever, but uh, I think that you look at sort of broad scope and there are some very, very disturbing trends that have to do with the likelihood that our our experiment of 200 and some odd years in democracy is in peril. I think we're in trouble. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Mike. And it's uh, it's scary to look at it. And I think most people aren't seeing it because they just take for granted what we've always had, mm-hmm. uh, the, the peaceful transition of power. Uh, you win an election, you, you take office, you just kind of go with that. Uh, but as you look around the world right now, in, in Turkey and in Brazil and in, and in Hungary, um, you have people who took office in a, in a what's supposed to be a democratic election and then started changing laws. Uh, to make it more difficult to remove them, and you start to see that happening here in the United States. It's it's very uh, it's scary, and on top of that, you have people in our country who are holding out those people, the the, the guy in, in Hungary, for as an example, as a as a hero, as a model, a, as if this is he's completely anti democratic. He he won an election, and now he's doing everything to become a dictator. And there are actually people in the United States, politicians and news people who are and commentators who are looking to him as as something we should be aspiring to. And it, it, it should scare everybody. And the thing I would suggest about this is if we lose our democracy, we're not going to lose the trappings of democracy. We will still salute. Oh, glory, pledge allegiance. We will have the flag and the soldiers and the monuments and all this kind of stuff. But uh, the way it happens is we'll have elections, but the outcomes are predetermined. The media gets controlled. Right. Uh, we get selective. You know, the, the people in control of the government subtly and sometimes not so subtly find ways to make sure that their message in the in the media is predominant and uh you know it's not russian troops marching down central avenue right and that's never been the threat right it's it's never that overt it, yeah. it's always it's always couched as this is normal this is what what both sides do and wrapped and wrapped it was a, a, upton sinclair said i mean decades ago you know and fascism comes to merit it will be carrying a crucifix and wrapped in the flag right it's it's a lot of patriotism and nationalism and and uh and you think this is this is great, and you don't realize what's being taken away as it happens. Look, it, it, it's a real concern right now, and it, it's we, we've gone from a, a country I think that all, overall always thinks of ourselves as a democracy or a republic, and and 
change to one that wants a story. They they want to they want to believe a story. And there's people. Uh, this has been going on forever. But there's people who are fearful of the future. They're fearful of how America is going to look different uh, today and in ten years and in, and in forty years. And they're they want to go back to the way things were. That's always been there. But now they're doing things. They're putting people in place. They're changing laws uh, so that if if we want, if they want to, if they don't like the outcome of an election, they can potentially change it. And Mike, you know this. The only thing that kept that from happening in 2020, the only thing that kept uh, the election of Joe Biden from from being overturned in 2020 was politicians, including a lot of Republicans. The, the who, key ones were Republicans. Right. Who stood up and said, no, I'm, this, this may be bad for me politically, but I'm going to do my job. And there were a lot of them. And, and a lot of them were in Maricopa County. Yep, Maricopa County, and and even here, look, even Doug Ducey and, and Mark Burnovich, and these were these were Republicans who were Trump people, and, and never were going to say something against Trump. But at the end of the day, they certified the election in Arizona, despite intense pressure not to do that, and they're still feeling the the effect of that today politically. Mm-hmm. But they did their job. And the Maricopa County supervisors, I mean, amazing what they did. Uh, if you've read the, the Arizona Republic, did a big oh, long yeah. form article Absolutely. on it. And, and the pressure they were getting, calls from the president of the United States, calls from his attorney, calls from all sorts of people, including the chair of the Republican Party here in Arizona, pressuring them to, to not certify an election that they knew was correct and real. Famously, Doug Ducey was having a press conference with Katie Hobbs sitting next to him, yep. announcing the results of the election. Certifying it. <laughs> and yeah. his cell phone rings, and the ringtone is hailed to the chief. You know who that came from. Yep. It was he had told the press earlier that's what he put on there for Trump. And and he and he clicks the clicker, clicks it off. Yep. Not answering it. And and for some yeah. that was the end of Doug Ducey's political career because Trump from that point on has yeah. made fun of Ducey and, and he's yeah. he's attacked him. So it, it's it, but he did it and and that's the important thing. He did his job. He looked at it at the time and said, "This is ridiculous. I'm not going to be a part of this." And there were a lot of people who did that in, in a lot of different states. The concern is, we'll use Arizona as an example. What happens? If in 2024, same kind of a thing, a Democrat wins the presidential election, gets the the electors from Arizona, but now our Secretary of State is Mark Fincham, and who has professed he's completely in line with Trump, yeah. and he would he said he absolutely would have not certified the election, he would have sent fake electors to Congress. What happens if he's the person? What if Carrie Lake is the governor? Yeah. And this was an election that was about as clean as they come. Absolutely. When you're counting 100 million votes... You're going to have some little mistakes. Somewhere. It's not it, it, 100.0% is not doable. Even the the ultimate audit, they were, they had uh, 26 claims. Only one of them had any truth. They found one batch of 50 votes that some clerical worker ran through the machine twice. Right. We don't know who they voted for, but we do note that their hand count came out a little bit more Biden. Right. You know, it was quite obviously a mistake. Shouldn't happen. No harm with creating more checks for it not to happen again. But when you have the the million votes or so in Maricopa County being counted, and if that's all you can find, that's a clean election. Yeah, it was it was a great election. And the fact that you have four out of five of the supervisors in Maricopa County are Republican, they're saying it was a safe election, a real election. And, the, the and thing- all five of them said, I mean, there are four, yeah. four right. are Republican, all five said the election was free. Right. Uh, and uh, we had uh, Stephen Richard, yep. the, the county uh, the recorder on, who, I mean, talk about a guy who could have been opportunistic. He didn't run this election because his predecessor, a Democrat, ran it. 
and he could have taken a swipe at the at the guy. He went in, looked at the data, said, yep. you know, he did a fine job. He could have. Know. He's another one. He could have catapulted his political career in Republican uh, and conservative yeah. circles, and instead he did the right thing. And this is a guy, by the way, of the most impeccable conservative Absolutely. tradition. But I, I, we got to qualify this. Conservative doesn't mean the same thing anymore. Right. It, 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 I mean, right now there are people who are trying to redefine conservatism as being a Trump acolyte. Right. You have to believe in conspiracy theory. But I'm talking about people who came out of all of the ultimate uh, Republican conservative think tanks, one of which I forget which one he had come. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the resume was impeccable in regard in that regard. Right. No. Which, it, it, and the same thing with the supervisors. They, these guys have been conservative Republicans in Arizona for, for decades. Yeah. Everybody knows who they are. But now suddenly, because they didn't do what Trump asked, now they're they're not conservative. They're not Republican enough. And, and they're being they're being uh, forced yeah, out, in essence, by their own party. We're redefining conservative yeah. to mean not having both of your fit, feet firmly uh, located in reality. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and and this drives the t- real conservatives. That's why, I mean, George Will, as an example, yeah. who, who has, who's Mr. Conservative intellectual leader, who has said that the only way we're going to get out of this is to have a cycle where we just elect Democrats to everything, Yeah, and which, by the way, does not look Look like it's going to remotely happen. Elect Democrats to everything so that it'll purge this element so that a true conservative Republican uh, uh, base can reemerge. Well, and that's the scary part. I, I had a, a, a bunch of the gubernatorial candidates on over the last several weeks uh, on KTAR, and one of them, a Republican, I was talking to her um, her campaign manager who's been around Arizona politics forever, and he was saying, hey, what are you going to ask about? And I kind of told him, and, and I, uh, I made a joke. Uh, about asking her who won the election, because I know she doesn't. Nobody wants to. No, nobody running for governor wants to talk about that in real life. And um, and what he said is, seventy five percent of Republicans in Arizona. This is the polling. Um, believe the election was. I don't know if it was stolen, but something's wrong. That Joe yeah, Biden's not yeah. really the. Pro- and so all these Republicans running for office here in the primary, they have to do the things they're doing now. Which seems so ridiculous and not fact based because if they don't, they know they'll never make it out of the primary. That's scary. We'll be back with Barry Markson when we return in a minute in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. With Barry Markson. And uh, we were talking in the break about, uh, you know, the internal dynamics of the Republican Party and candidates seem to be just fearful of uh, of admitting the obvious, which is Biden won the last election. Right. Uh, and most of them privately know better. They all know better. Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, unless they're crazy, they know better and they're, they're afraid uh, they're afraid to do it. There's, there's no leadership, Mike. It, leadership is after January 6th. Leadership is what we saw initially, where yeah. where you had Mitch McConnell and the other leaders stepping up and saying Trump was wrong. He he made this happen. We have to make sure this ends. And then a, a week or two later, I don't know what happened. Saw a poll or something and went back to supporting Trump uh, unequivocally. My theory on that is that they thought at that moment, January 6th, they said, oh, my God, he has gone too far. He has lost any sane, the support of any sane person. The Trump presidents, he's over. Yeah. And and they exhibited independence. And then. A week or so later, it becomes evident that he's still around. His people are still with him. Uh, 
and and they're afraid of them. Yeah. And but that's again, it takes courage, I guess, political courage uh, and leadership to say to have Republicans at, at the at the helm say this isn't who we are. We're not going to do this. And if they all had done that, the party would be in a much better place or at least a different place right now. Yeah. But they don't they I guess they think they can't do it. And locally, uh, you know, I, I was just saying this, if the, all these people running for governor and all the other offices, every Republican running has uh, either jumped on the election was stolen bandwagon. They can't say Joe Biden won the election or they're just they just dodge it. They don't react to it. And I'm waiting for one candidate, one Republican just to stand up and say, look, Joe Biden won the election. There move was on. No, there move was on. No, yeah, move let's on. move on. Let's talk about what we have to do to govern Arizona. How do we make the state better? I'd like to think that there would be a a big percentage of the Republican Party that would step up and get behind that person. And even if it's not a majority, as you pointed out in the, in the break, uh, even if it's not a majority, if you run in a four or five person race, even if it's 30 percent, that might be enough to win. Yeah. You differentiate yourself. That's right. And and it hasn't happened yet. Maybe it'll happen this year before the primary in August. But uh, I haven't seen it yet. And it's it's unfortunate because there are people running who are good people, who are good conservatives, and they won't do it. And, and, they're, and, they, they're know, and they know better. They're politically afraid. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely know better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to say this because the old Hitler analogy, but at the same time, when you look at history, they, it doesn't repeat itself, but it, it rhymes sometimes, as Jack August, the historian, once said here. Uh, the industrialist of Germany initially supported Hitler. They said, we can control this guy. Right. You know, and and very much, I think the Republican establishment went to Donald Trump in the beginning and they asked him in a private meeting that's been reported on reliably said, you know, what about, you know, we we need somebody will be anti-boy. He said, oh, you got it. You know, a whole bunch of stuff he didn't care about. But he said, OK, what else do you want? And he just went through the list and said, you know, OK, Supreme Court justices pulled only pulled people off my list off of our list. OK, right. you got it. And he didn't have strong beliefs in most of these areas, but he, he succumbed to the, the litmus test on issue after issue. And they figure, OK, we can control this guy. So we might as well, you know, we're OK with this. And yeah. But who's but but they've lost control. Well, they did, or or the actually some of the people who were the, the Steve Bannons of the world and the Stephen Millers of the world, uh, they have that control. I mean, if you remember the early part, yeah. Of, when I talk about people, in, I'm not, I'm talking about the conservative the, business oh, establishment yeah. elite. Yeah, the the backbone of the Republican right. Party. And and I'll say this, Mike, it's, as a Jewish person, it's something I've thought about for a long time, well before Trump. Um, and I'm not in any way suggesting that Donald Trump is Hitler. So right, let's, let's right. Just, I'm let's, not saying, but but, not. but at the same time, it's hard not to see an analogy right. in terms of his initial uh, getting power and how the guy both in both cases got in and then they thought he could be controlled and he and couldn't. He it, it's, I've always asked myself, how did that happen? How did Nazi Germany happen back then? Because Germany was a was a democracy of some, of, of some it sort. It was probably the it, most progressive democracy right. in the world at it, the it time. Was, you, and you look at that society, and it was people had jobs. Look, they were having some very big economic issues after mm-hmm. World War One. There's a lot going on there that, that they felt mm-hmm. de- demoralized. There was a lot there. But I've always asked myself, how do we get to that point where not just you have a crazy leader who's who's 
trying to take over the world and killing millions and millions of people, innocent people. Which he didn't start out doing. Right. But how do you how do you how do how do you get to where all these people are supporting him and the you know the Fuhrer and you're just never you're not questioning him. He becomes your god, your king. How do we, how do they get to that point? Because I've always asked myself, how does this happen? And it scared me watching that with Trump. Mm-hmm. Again, not suggesting he's going to be he's Hitler. Right, right. But but the but the the way dynamic they, the di- of the way of the relationship yes. of the masses to this guy who do mm-hmm. see him as the, who overlooks. I mean, yes. When, if you go back to the campaign, there were multiple times when he said stuff that would have been instantly fatal to any other candidate taking on John McCain in the military. Yes. Oh. Oh, he he went he went I, in the military. He was stupid. I like you know, people I mean, who don't get captured. I, I mean, yeah. this kind of stuff that would have been the end of any other campaign, and it and it wasn't even a hiccup. It, and that's exactly right. And so many Republicans were against um, against Trump when he was running initially in the primary, and even afterwards, and then switched over because they wanted to get behind him. They didn't they didn't want to be against him. Um, and I'm trying to remember. Oh, Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks in Alabama was was very anti-Trump. This is a guy who's totally on the Trump train now, saying the election was stolen. But he started saying Trump's a bad guy. He doesn't have our values. All of this stuff. And then Ted comp- Cruz. Ted Cruz. <laughs> Ted Cruz. I mean, my goodness. Somebody. Trump is calling his wife ugly, and his and his dad killed JFK, and now he's licking Trump's shoes. I yeah. never understand this. But that it's to power. me, that's the dynamic, as you said, of. Is this what happened in Germany, and is this what's happening here? The the worship of a person is absolutely it's scary. Yeah. It's absolutely scary. Is there anything Trump could do? I mean, he joked around, I could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and not lose a voter, and and he's right. But is there something if Trump if Trump takes office again and he says we're going to start uh, rounding up illegal immigrants and putting them in camps? Mm-hmm. Would do you think you don't think there would be a big percentage of the population would say yeah that's I a great whatever idea? Whatever. I mean. And the the most recent example was obviously January sixth. Yeah, and and people the politicians immediately said, "Oh, he's gone too far." And the answer a week later, they figured out he hadn't. We'll be back after the break with Barry Markson and more. The Think Tank, KTAR News on ninety two three FM and KTAR.com. We're back here with Barry Markson and uh, talking about democracy. Uh, Obviously, one of the key linchpins of democracy is free access to voting. Uh, President Biden made a major speech a couple of weeks ago on uh, on voting rights. Uh, I don't know if you saw the whole I saw the whole speech. It was a powerful speech. I don't know that that ultimately ends up mattering, but he he drew this in historical terms and said, basically, what side of history do you want to be on, John Lewis or Bull Connor? Um, and, and of course, the news, the headline was all about the specific proposal. Well, he's willing to uh, see the filibuster uh, have a carve-out for voting rights in the, in the uh, filibuster. And the other thing that struck me, and I thought it was just an emotional, you know how Joe Biden, every single speech ends with, and God protect our troops. He ended with, and God protect our, our right to vote. Um, uh I thought it was a powerful statement. I don't know that it, in the longer world that anything matters to anything anymore in the way of speeches or statements because yeah. the the alignment is what it is. And, and frankly, voting rights is uh, cinema and mansion, I think. 
Well, yeah, whether they're going to change the filibuster. Let me me ask you this. I I thought the speech, and I didn't see the whole thing like you did, but I saw quite a bit of it in a lot of excerpts. Uh, I I thought it was very interesting that he was talking about it from, I guess, an African-American perspective um, only. And and I don't really see it that way. I mean, I see things that are happening here in Arizona, for example, and I don't think they're aimed at the African-American community specifically. We just don't have a large enough one here to make yeah, that. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to restrict voting rights here you do, and you're trying to aid Republicans, you make it more difficult for Hispanics because right. there's more of them. Right. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. I think the speech was, although powerful in trying to change the law, uh, I think it was also aimed at the African-American constituency uh, who's been upset that voting rights hasn't has not been enough of a mm-hmm. priority for this administration yet, and I think he's trying to, uh, he was trying to get back uh, or to show them that it is, mm-hmm. and I think you can really see that in in the fact that um, uh, Stacey Abrams wasn't at the speech, which yeah. they they kind of said later was a it was a confusion about you know the scheduling. What baloney? Of course, I mean see, you, you're confused about the, when you're supposed to be there to meet with the president. That seems odd. No, <laughs> um, but there are a whole bunch of voting rights supporters who've been upset with how the administration and other leading Democrats have been handling this, and they they boycotted it. Now I think that's silly because now they're stepping up to do what you want. But uh, I'm curious of why it, ha- why it has to be an African-American or a minority thing as opposed to an American thing. Yeah. And and it, the problem is the Republicans won't entertain any of this. I, I do think it's odd. People are mad at Joe Biden for not doing more. They're mad at Manchin. Nobody seems to be mad at the 50 Republicans in the Senate, not one of whom will step up and say, yes, we need to protect voting rights for everyone in the country. That's Tragedy of low expectations. I, I guess that's <laughs> you know, it. I must say, I thought about this a little bit, and I said, you know, if the issue were just the voting rights only, I think you could shame a couple of Republicans into going for it. Maybe a uh, uh, Mitt Romney or, or uh, Lisa Murkowski. But the thing that gives them the impenetrable veil on this, the, the, uh, that, that allows them a free pass, is that you need them not just to vote for voting rights, but given that you need 60 votes, you'd have to, uh, they'd have to go along with the waiver or the filibuster for issues of voting rights. Right. And that allows them to say, I'm, I'd vote for the voting rights bill, but I'm not going to vote to break the filibuster. That, now, the, the one positive thing that is coming out of Washington and the Republicans is that many of them say they will support the Electoral Count Act, which is to change the law that kind of spurred January 6th, mm-hmm. the one where people thought Mike Pence could overturn yeah. the election and yeah. not certifying these things. So Mitch McConnell supporting that and a lot of other Republicans. So I think at a minimum, that hopefully will get passed. So this will never happen again, where a vice president will be uh, put upon to change the results of an election on his or her own. Um, but but let me ask you, uh, if if it's appropriate, but the filibuster, do you think the Democrats should should set aside the filibuster, knowing that once you do that, once you take that step, it's going to be gone. The Republicans are going to take the next step with it. And now when the Republicans are in power again, and they will be at some point, that they can do uh, anything they want uh, un, un, uh, untethered. I think if, if Mitch McConnell has 51 votes in the Senate after the next election, which is likely... He will eliminate the filibuster in a heartbeat. So you think he's it's gone anyway? You think it's gone regardless of what the yes, Democrats yes, do? Yes, I do. You, or if he wanted to be strategic, he might wait till it matters. And right. when does the filibuster matter? When the Republicans have the trifecta, right? Because if you do away with the filibuster, that allows you to get with fifty-one votes. It allows you to get something through the Senate. But if the Democrats still held the House or the presidency, right. breaking the filibuster wouldn't matter. The reason the filibuster matters for the Democrats is that they could, if they 
break the filibuster, they can get stuff done with a majority of the House, which they have, a majority of the Senate, which they have by a fingernail, and the presidency. You need the right uh, the trifecta in order to act. So Mitch McConnell might wait until the next presidency when, if they win, the Republicans win the trifecta, which as of this moment, you'd have to say is more likely than not. So I'd, I'd like to, I agree, and I'd like to think that there would be a couple of Republicans, much like there are a couple of Democrats, at least, who are pushing back on this, uh, a Mitt Romney or some others who would say, we're not going to turn over this filibuster because of what it'll do to the country. Because really what ends up happening then is laws are just, we already are we're having it now, laws are just made and then reversed and made and then reversed. And the, it, there's no well, there's no planning. There's uh, of no, course, it's pretty hard to get a law through. Any, you need the yeah. House, you need the Senate, you need the presidency. Right. Uh, and uh, from the standpoint of the Democrats right now, do you know uh, that you you can block a, a senators representing approximately, I did the numbers on this, it's about 12% of the country can block anything right yep. now. Yep. I mean, <laughs> that's absurd. It really It, really it is. wasn't intended at that level. It was, well, right. frankly, it was intended, you know, a lot of the Senate, the whole structure of the Senate was set up to protect slavery. But right. And the filibuster has mostly been used uh, to thwart civil rights laws. So would you, uh, if, if it was up to you, would you get rid of the filibuster? I, I, I think it's anachronistic. And, and, and yeah, is there a possibility of flipping one? But, but I mean, I think we have been far more hampered by inability to do anything. Yeah, in no, this country, it's true. I, I've been I've been somebody who said we should keep it in place. I guess I'm I'm like Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin in the hopes that someday we get back to a Senate that can talk and maybe persuade people. I, I what I don't like is uh, on both sides is when you don't have that when you don't have yeah. to talk to the other side you end up with a whole bunch of extreme ideas, yep. and they get supported because nobody wants to be the person to say, no, I don't want to yeah, do that. I just don't see the relationship. with. I, I have heard it. By the way, this is not in the Constitution. It is just a Senate rule. I, I would propose, if you want to keep something like the filibuster, how about a rule that says senators representing more than 40% of the country can block a bill? Yeah, okay. except that most of our voting isn't set up that way. The right, but, college but, but, and but, right. none of that is. Right. But, but you could say for purposes of the filibuster, which is an extraordinary non-democratic small d uh, means of blocking something that it shouldn't be able to be blocked by twelve by yeah. senators representing twelve percent of the country. I agree, or at a minimum, and I, this is I say this half jokingly, uh, you can have the filibuster, but you actually have to filibuster. You have to stand up. You have to do it the way the rule was originally mm-hmm. put in place. You have to stand up. You can't take breaks. You can't go away. And if you do that for a certain amount of time, for you know some matter of days, okay. And 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 that. Yeah, uh, that and and so that means you got to be out front there, conspicuously making your case. Do you think I'm, I'm going to take? You talked about small D's, which is those all of us who are for democracy. Yes. Um, what do you think about people now coming out and, and talking about the the I guess in some ways the fantasy that the next presidential ticket be Joe Biden and Liz Cheney or or Kamala Harris and Liz Cheney or some combination of a Republican and a Democrat to say we're not we we realize we disagree we realize we're not going to get big things mm-hmm. done but it's more important to beat back Trump and this when what's happening in the country right now we have to do that so we can reset and get back to normal times uh I could see partisans on both sides rejecting that so yeah. thoroughly you know Liz Cheney's not going to get any current Republican votes uh, the the Democratic left would go ballistic uh, it's it's an interesting fanciful idea um, you know especially an almost 80 year old Joe Biden. right I know I know it is uh, do you think Joe Biden and the Democrats made a mistake 
after winning the election uh, because they did not uh, because they took the election as a mandate to do everything they wanted everything mm-hmm. the progressives wanted as opposed to a mandate of we don't want Trump anymore we want to get away from what we've been dealing with the last 4 years let's get back to some level of normalcy i, I mean i will tell you i know a lot of republicans who voted for biden because they didn't want to vote for trump yeah. but they don't support the progressive left. They don't support this big spending. They don't yeah. support what's going on now. And I'm concerned that if it becomes Biden versus Trump again in the future, they're going to go back to Trump. You know, it, there's a way you pose that question that I, I, I think is troublesome, which is it, you don't support this high spending. Well, if we're only talking about spending, you know, talk about what what the components are and what they would do right? and see whether people are in favor of that. Because you know what? When you just say spending in the abstract, I react to that negatively. Right. But if we're talking, what are we talking about doing? Take those items piece by piece. If there's some of them that don't make sense, knock them out. But most of the elements in the Build Back Better plan pulled very high. As in terms of public support. I agree with you. Uh, And I think if you did it that way, it would get good support. But there's so much more buried in that bill than than what we see, than the big ticket Mm -hmm. items. But my question is, do you think that people, that Biden won, for example, Mm -hmm. in Arizona, where he won by 10 or Mm 11,000 votes, do you think he won because people were giving a mandate to Democrats to to do this, you know, the the progressive agenda? Or was it a, we don't want Trump, we want someone normal who can kind of get us back on track? Uh, I'll answer that both ways. Most of the people were voting for big things to happen, but enough of the margin, (laughs) at the margin, the conservative Republican women, suburban, who voted for for Biden, they were voting for not Trump. Right. So at the so you could answer that. Which side do you want to look? I think the bigger piece wanted to do something, but the uh, the uh, piece that that switched the election. They were the Republicans right. who ca- could not stomach Dom- Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean Arizona was an example, yeah. a perfect example of that. We'll be back. Uh, concluding segment with Barry Markson in just a moment. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We're back with Barry Marks, and I'll start by answering your question. I'll restate it because people have probably forgot what it was, which is your question was essentially, do you think Biden would have done better if he didn't try to, you know, sort of go big and do things? My answer is, I think presidents do well when they get big things done. Okay, I think that... Because at the margin, there's a there's always a lot of people who really don't know, and and what they're seeing right now is the president proposing stuff and most of it going nowhere. They're seeing nothing happening, and I think that is that's why his numbers are in the tank. I, I think you're right, and that's and that's I, I think we're kind of agreeing. I think they went to, they went to do too much, mm-hmm. knowing how difficult it would be, um, and and maybe that's courage, maybe that's a good thing. But I think on both sides of the aisle, what what ends up happening is I think the people want to get a little more back to the middle, and uh, liberals and conservatives, when they get in power, they make the pendulum swing way too far, and then they lose the next yeah. election. I think yeah. we're going to see that this year. Well, yeah, but, that's the the the. Pen- Pendulum is probably the best analogy for American politics right. that, that that is most consistent, and I think a lot of it's it, it's sort of like it's the old throw the rascals out, whoever they are, throw right. them out, as if that's going to make things better because you just get back your your rascal 1.0 from the last. But I, but I think Biden's mistake has been has been exactly what you're saying is some of this stuff it looks like they're not getting it done, so it makes him look weak and ineffective. When in reality, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing people say, for example, the economy isn't good. 
The economy's fantastic it's, right it's now. It's unbelievably it's, good. It's blowing the doors <laughs> off thing. Our, yeah. our Christmas shop, holiday shopping was up 8.5%, 11% online. We have the highest savings rate uh, in the history of the United States. Uh, we have, uh, basically, mm-hmm. if you want a job, everybody who wants a job has a job right now. Unemployment mm-hmm. down below 4% again. And uh, some people have, have, and then I think this has been a lifestyle, and I think the pandemic did, that people have decided, some of them at the margins, I really don't want to be employed, but- that's not unemployment. That is people who really made that choice. Right. Unemployment is when you're looking for a job and can't find one. Right. So my point is the, the, Biden, the Biden presidency in many ways has been very successful. The economy's still going strong. The stock market's as high as it's ever been, which is what Trump uses to, mm-hmm. to guide these things. You have He passed the infrastructure plan, which no president has been able to accomplish uh, over the course of three or four decades. Yep. So th- there's all sorts of good things that are happening, and yet all we're talking about is inflation's up 7% and Biden can't get Build Back Better passed. Well, and- it's, it's, it, I think, he, I think he, set, he set up his what has to be accomplished to be so big mm-hmm. – that he can't but fail. And I think that uh, they failed to consider fully how marginal their majority was. Yeah. That, I mean, when uh, Barack Obama had big majorities to work with for two years, okay, FDR had huge, Johnson had huge, Biden had a tied Senate. Right. You know, essentially, as I, I've seen him put it now, there's 51 presidents. Right. You know, right. any one of them can hold up everything. And so you have, you know, we talk about the Senate. We're talking about Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and anybody else who decides to, you know, guys like Mark Kelly. Heck, he may have objected to some of this stuff, but he has a pass because Kirsten's out there taking all the heat. Right. You know, um, so when you have only one person required to kibosh something, uh you have an almost ungovernable situation. You know, they're lucky they got the first half of the of the uh, infrastructure through. It's, I mean, he was starting out with an incredibly right. weak hand. But that's my point. So, so knowing that, yeah. why set yourself up for failure? Yeah. Joe, Joe Manchin, it hasn't been a secret that he wasn't supporting this Build Back Better giant yeah. plan. It, why set yourself up for failure? Yeah. Why not tell tell your progressive left, look? Break this out a little bit. Let's. Yeah. What's the most important things we can get those passed and and try to do that. Now, maybe that would interesting work to see. You you have you seen who recently has been uh, going after Joe Manchin? No. Some of the coal miner unions. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, the coal miner, the not the owners. This is the unions. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I don't know. I I think we all thought that. Uh, what Joe Manchin and maybe Kirsten Sinema was going to do was get this thing cut back and cut, cut back to whatever level they could live with right. and then do it, well, which, which looked like it was going to be a fraction of the original ask. But I always said, you know, you have, to, you have success, you have failure. If you get anything through, you, 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 know, you know, you announce it as an right. accomplishment and then you move forward and you, you go back at some other yeah. time if you have the votes to do it. But uh, somehow, uh, somehow they blew it. And I, 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 I'm kind of surprised by that because, you know, Manchin and Biden go back for decades together. I, I thought he had a sense of 
of what he could do there. Yeah, well, and, and again, that's it's somewhat surprising that they would push that far when, according to Manchin, he's been saying all along, "Here are the issues I'm having. I'm not going to do this." Yeah. So, uh, again, I, I think they, I think Biden and his group set himself set him up for failure, and that's what's happened now. Yeah. I think the same things uh, we'll see uh, with the Voting Rights Act, and that's going to yeah. be very difficult. To and see you can ar- hindsight's always fifth, uh, you know, uh, twenty twenty. We we could argue that after the first uh, uh, infrastructure bill, they could have switched to voting rights then. Uh, the well, voting rights right. people. I, I mean, I don't know. In retrospect, that's easy to say, but we know. Well, but but you know, had they it, been able to convince Joe Manchin to go along with something, then the, Biden would be sailing high. I well, think. and we forget the progressives tied uh, Build Back Better to the infrastructure plan, so yeah. there was a reason those were one right after the other. They insisted yeah. they'd yeah. be one right, right after the other. Right, right, and in so, fact, they, most of the liberal Democrats were upset that they didn't do the other part first. Right, because so it, this, this is, was probably the least they could have done uh, for them. In fairness to AOC and, and her and her uh, folks, this is exactly what they were afraid was going to happen, and now it's happened. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, yeah I they, mean. They were right. They yeah. got they got they got that right. Yeah. But but I'd, what I'd say to them is, if we had done what you wanted, we probably wouldn't have gotten either. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, I, I agree. So, uh, but I think this is a successful presidency overall. Afghanistan didn't look right, but at the end of the day, we're out of Afghanistan, uh, which I think the vast majority of yeah, Americans horrible support. pictures for Afghanistan. But but we did get out after yep. twenty. And you know what else? They got a hundred and fifty thousand people. Tell me. At any time in human history, when any defeated army retreating has been able to pull off anything like that. It's, it reminds me of a, of a Cardinal's loss when 60,000 people are leaving the stadium at the same time. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Almost impossible yeah. to imagine, but there it is. Uh, that's a yeah. very bad joke. But, but Mike, it, it's... There's horrible it, pictures. It was horrible pictures. But we're out of Afghanistan, which, yeah. by the way, is something that Trump was trying to do for four years. Yeah. And, and a lot of his people were supportive of that. So I think at the end of the day, that's going to be viewed well. But it, it, everybody just keeps talking about everything right. so negatively. Yeah. And just and I think that w- that was the beginning of it. And it just consider the logistical issue. You know, you got 100,000 troops in there and then you're pulling back. You got 50,000, you got 20. At some point in that process, you're going to have 300 guys left. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're going to be vulnerable. Yeah, no, it's it, look, it, it's a no. <laughs> and they had to deal with the Taliban, right. which is you, we're going out, we're going to leave. You know, you're right. you're going to take over, but you leave our guys alone at the airport. And basically, they kept that deal. They had a couple of hotheads. You know, they they're not we're not a hundred percent in control of it, but they basically kept that deal. Right. And the witness to that is the hundred and fifty thousand people they right. were able to get out. The optics of it were bad, but the, horrible. But the outcome was for as good as we could have. A vast majority of, the, of yeah. the public, they think it's a good thing. Yeah. But it's it's looked at as a bad thing on Biden, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Even when he does something that people wanted to happen, yeah. it's it's somehow being viewed as being viewed negatively. The, that one probably won't. It, it was more. I think that was something that enabled his numbers to collapse. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's fixating on that anymore. So it was more like that was a step that made him look unsuccessful, and he's never sort of gotten out of the malaise associated right. with that. The economic picture is, it, yeah, as you pointed out, our economic numbers are really, really yes, it's do incredible. we have a little inflation? But look at what's ca- what caused inflation. We have bottlenecks in supply lines, yep. which were inevitable because uh, the capitalist structure cut back because people didn't want to be stuck with excess right. inventory, and and people came back and spent money faster than anybody ever expected so yeah. so the, the supply lines are gone that isn't a problem of government that's you know that's a yeah. that's inevitable result of capital you know we stopped driving our cars so 
oil stopped being produced. So right. then we all got back on our cars on the same day, and we all wanted to go take a long trip, and there's not enough gas, so the price right. goes up. Duh, this happens all the time. Right. The, the economy is so strong. The demand for products is so strong. We can't get them fast yeah. enough, and that's what's causing these issues. Yeah. So it, it's going to come back around. But that's my point. The economy is great, and people keep saying the economy is not great, and yeah. I, don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. It's, it, it's everything the power it's, perception. It, it, yep. it really is. It, it really is. Uh, it, I, I, I'm curious to see what what happens at the end of this year with the midterm elections. I think it's going to be a huge Republican uh, vote. It, it always yeah. is. The, the yeah. other side from the president yeah. always History has History says that the in-party loses big. And, yeah. and this time they may lose bigger than most. And redistricting, which we talked about last week, is liable to contribute to that. But it's historically... Uh, expected. Yeah. And um, anyway, Barry Markson, love to have you back again. This is fun. I enjoyed I, it. I knew it would be, and uh, great having this conversation with you. We'll see you next week in the Think Tank if you want to reach me. The website is mikeoneal.org. There's a uh, link there if you want to communicate with me directly, and uh, as well as to other social media, all the usual Facebook, Twitter, the, the whole run. See you next week in the Think Tank.